1: On today's very special episode, we have gathered some of your favorite IT guests ever to answer questions directly from you. These guys have so much wisdom to share. I'm really excited that they got a chance to answer your questions directly. So sit back, relax, and drink in some of the most amazing people on the face of the planet. Without further ado, let's dive right in.
2: Hi, yeah, my name's JP. I'm a music producer and a father of two from Belfast. And my question is for Jay Shetty. Jay, do you think that happiness is a system that can be figured out, or is it a moving target that we have to
3: chase? Thanks a million. That's a really, really interesting question. Now, the way that I look at it is that happiness is the byproduct and the result of practicing certain daily habits. So we see that psychologically, scientifically, and spiritually, the practice of a set of habits every single day can create states of happiness. Now, some of these are in the book called The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. I highly recommend it. And some of the other ones that I learned living as a monk include four key habits, thankfulness, inspiration, meditation, and exercise. So that's how I view happiness. I see it as a result of practicing these daily rituals, these daily habits that can create happiness in our lives. Now, from a more long-term point of view of happiness, it comes from purpose and meaning. It doesn't just come from pleasure and joy. And purpose and meaning come from a concept known as Dharma in Sanskrit, which is where you find this beautiful intersection between your passion, your strengths, and your compassion. The ability to serve with what you're naturally skilled at. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for asking it and wishing you all the best. I'm
4: Jonathan Dugan from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am a lifestyle and mindset coach for Heroes Academy, along with a podcast interviewer on YouTube. Now, my question is for Alex Benayan. Now, I heard you talk about one time that 99% of people in this world view their mistakes as enemies and 1% views their mistakes as friends. My question is that there's a lot of individuals right now that feel defeated. On the verge of giving up, they might be fearful of an uncertain future or they might be dwelling on the mistakes or failures that they have experienced in the past months or year. How do we begin to transition, to transform our relationship with fear and failure into a healthy relationship as if it were our friends best friends an opportunity to grow to learn to see a brighter future how do we begin to transform failure and fear into friendship i know you're going to give an amazing answer thank you so much for your time alex
2: what's up impact theory i'm alex ben i'm the author of the third door here in my home in los angeles and jonathan from las vegas i love your question about how to turn fear failure into things you can cherish and grow from now this is my thing about fear anyone who's dealing with fear whether it's rejections whether it's insecurities whether it's uh getting your dream off the ground or whether it's taking it the final you know 10 yards uh, you know to the end zone fear has this way of being this constant throughout the journey and you know failures many times add on to that fear uh, and failures we project in our head intensify those fears So this is a insight and x-rays I'll use for anybody who's trying to not only overcome their fears, but wants to cherish them in a way where they're no longer an enemy, but they become a friend. And the exercise is called dating your fears. And it's sort of the opposite of what a lot of other people think about when it comes to fears. A lot of people talk about pushing through your fears, conquering your fears. I advise you to do the opposite. Take your fears on a romantic date once a week. And I mean this quite literally. Uh, Spend, you know, look at your calendar and carve out maybe an hour, maybe two hours once a week, either lunch or dinner, and it's got to be consistent. And once a week, let's say it's Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night, what you're going to do is you're going to take the time to have a nice dinner, you know, right now, uh, you know, because of coronavirus, maybe it's at home, maybe it's on a balcony, maybe it's at a park, and you know, make yourself a nice bowl of pasta. Maybe pour yourself a glass of wine. You know, really make it silly if you want. You know, get some chocolate strawberries, make it very romantic. And the idea here is to take your fears on dates, and just like a date, the first day, you know, it might be pretty surface level as you're getting to know them. And what you're going to do is, while you're having dinner, is you're going to take your journal out. And you're going to ask your fears questions. Where are they from? Where do they come from? How have they you know, grown throughout their lives? Um, and what you're going to do is you're going to do this one week with the first date. And then you're going to do it the next week a second date and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And what you start realizing is it's almost like The Bachelor where you're going to have like 13, 14, 15, maybe 20 different fears lined up in front of you. And as the dating process unravels, just like in real life, what you'll begin to realize is there are deeper causes, deeper origins. And as you become more intimate with your fears, as opposed to beating them up, as opposed to stuffing them in the closet, as you become more intimate with your fears, you begin to appreciate them. You begin to have compassion for yourself and that then gives the window of opportunity for you to cherish them. So your fears don't necessarily disappear, but you become so intimate with them that they no longer have a hold on you. And that's the greatest gift you can give yourself. Jonathan, I'm wishing you the best of luck, man. Hi, Vanessa.
4: My name is Ono Northy and I am an author. Uh, I put self-development into fiction. Uh, So it's like mindset with car chases. My question for you is if there was a character who was loosely based off of you, what would be a quote or a piece of wisdom that you would want to make sure uh, made it into the book?
0: Thank you. Hello, hello. This question is so fun. So I think what I would want people to know or take away is that there are multiple flavors of charisma. I think for a long time, I thought there was only one way to be likable. There was only one way to be charismatic, and it was to be the bubbly extrovert. That if you were gonna be likable, you had to be the life of the party, you have to be funny, you had to be impressive. And then I realized that there, charisma comes in many flavors. You can have, yes, life of the party, but you can also have the quiet, powerful introvert. You can have the compassionate, empathetic soul. You can have the creative, tinkerer, inventor and that all of those different types are charismatic. And so the big thing that I am always encouraging people to do that I live, try to live myself is that you can be your best self and find your people. You can be your true self and still be liked. And so I came out as a recovering awkward person um, in 2016 and that was the biggest relief. Because before then I think I had been trying to be this life of the party person. But actually, I'm quite introverted. I'm quite awkward. I um, struggle with social interactions. I struggle with social anxiety. And the moment that I owned that and I put it out there, people came out to me as well. And people were more caring and accepting. And I had more real conversations than I ever had before. And so I think I stopped worrying about trying to impress people. And I started trying to just be myself. And hopefully, I found people that would like me for that. And so I think that's the the big thing that I'd want people to know is that uh, you can still be likable. You can still be charismatic, even if you're awkward or introverted or have social anxiety. And that being yourself actually attracts the right kind of people.
4: Hi, Mr. McDonald. With millions of jobs lost during the pandemic, what would you advise in terms of a pivot or a repurposing of a career under these circumstances?
5: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm the host of MoneyMakingConversation.com. Well, millions of jobs lost during the pandemic, hearing the right words at the right time can change a person's life. Let's talk about my life, because hopefully with the experiences I had, I remember when the pandemic hit, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I, I can always share this story with people. I remember the first time I went out and uh, went shopping, you know, I went to uh, like a Home Depot and I had my mask. Well, I didn't really have a mask because I just had a ski mask. I just pulled up on my face and, and then I had my Perel, what left of the Perel that I just happened to have, and I had my gloves. So I went in shopping, and when I came out, I didn't know, did I take the gloves off to put my grocery my, store my, my stuff in the, st- in the truck, or was it contaminated? And that's the life that we're dealing with, right? We're dealing with a lot of confusion, and that, and that confusion only sets gets even worse because you don't know who to turn to. I didn't know who to turn to times in my life. And so this is the time you have to have people who can help you out, and you know, we're living in a pandemic. We are not allowed to be ourselves anymore. When you're not allowed to be yourself, I always tell people, leave with your gifts and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. I didn't, I I remember when I was in the hospital, doctor told me, if we don't do surgery on you immediately, you will die. I remember when I was announced to have cancer when I was in 2015, and then like a fool, I climbed up on the ladder right after surgery and fell. Then I broke my my arm and broke my arm, my, my my thumb, because I believed that I was unbreakable. I believed that I wouldn't let anything stop me. I wasn't gonna let cancer win. You can't let COVID win now. How do you beat COVID? First of all, you gotta learn to pivot. What, oh, oh, oh you comfortable? You Are you, oh, you comfortable now? You don't know. You don't think you can do anything else. You're talking to the wrong dude. I've been a. Uh, I've longed loaded trucks in my life. Worked at Burger King. drove a forklift. Worked at the post office. Worked offshore. Been a successful stand-up comedian, sitcom writer, business manager. Steve Harvey. Everything I'm telling you is the things I've done in my life. I'm an award-winning baker. These things did not are not were not planned. There was opportunities. Right now, there's an opportunity for you to be successful. Right now, but you can't hold yourself back because you're 40, 50, 60. You feel that you can't have a dream. You can't put a plan in place. You can't. I'm 60. You think I I don't feel 60. I don't know what that means. All I know is it's an age, I have to tell everybody, but it has nothing to do with my plans to be successful. I will tell people this. Think about when you were in your 20s. That's what you should be doing now. That's the work when you wanted to be, when you were fearless, your dreams, your goals, your passion, when you was in your 20s, everything you wanted to do. The money that I'm making money off of right now is what I wanted to do or what I planned to do or what I was doing in my 20s especially my early 20s, before marriage came in, before children came in, before a house came in, before you got locked into that job right now that you maybe still be doing that you don't want to do no more, before you're in that relationship that you don't want to be in no more, but you don't know how to get out of, you don't know how to change a job. Well, how do you change a job? You look for a job, another job while you're still working. Don't ever quit a job and then go look for a job. That's the biggest mistake you can do. The other thing you have to do in life is you have to understand that if you want to be an entrepreneur, the best opportunity to prepare for being an entrepreneur is your 40-hour week job. That's right, your 40-hour week job. When you excel at your 40-hour week job, you can win at everything. But a lot of people don't know that. They think that's a hassle. I don't like this. Well, if you arrive to work on time, that's going to help you as an entrepreneur. If you excel and do more than you're supposed to do, that's going to help you as an entrepreneur. If you meet all the deadlines that they're asking you to do, that's going to help you as an entrepreneur. More importantly, if you understand short-term goals, that I means short-term goals mean 30 days. Start with 30 days. We're in a pandemic now. Start in that 30-day cycle and start building your plan. Start building your budget. More importantly, the people around you have to believe in your plan. If you have anybody around you that does not believe in your dream, kick them to the curve. I'm telling you, it's a lot of people. I, 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 my shoes got a lot of kick marks on because <laughs> I had to do that. When I left IBM and told people I wanted to be a comedian, you think people didn't want to call me crazy? Until when I told people I wanted to manage manager, Steve Harvey, you don't think people call me crazy? Sitcom writer. When I told people I was going to be a baker, people doubted me there. And then I started winning the awards. You know, I bought a building. I bought a building during the pandemic, a building. You know, you buy jewelry, you buy clothes, you know, you buy food, you buy a house. But buying a building, that means I had to put a plan in place. I'm not asking you to buy a building. I'm just asking you for the first time in your life to put down that stop sign that you're holding up when you're looking for the government to send you another check and start planning your future because you have more controls than you know of. And you need to start using those controls right now to plan your life. Hey there, my name is Drew,
1: I'm from Los Angeles. I'm a voiceover actor, obviously, and a production assistant. Um, my question is for Humble the Poet. And uh, I was thinking, whether we like it or not, um, social media puts this pressure on us to kind of show our best lives and prove that everything is hunky-dory. And I know that you've said before you'd rather feel good then look good. And so I was just wondering what your perspective was on that, on that aforementioned pressure. And what can people do to uh,
6: get beyond that feeling to present yourself and show your best self? I think the first thing we have to do to, you know, when it comes to acknowledging this pressure that we all feel to like put our best selves forward in front of everybody, especially in social media, is to understand this pressure existed way before social media. We're a very social creature. We've existed for tens of thousands of years in like smaller communities and understanding ourselves in relations to others has always been a survival tactic for us you know if you got ostracized out of your village or your tribe you know that could have meant death and that's encoded in our dna that's who we are and we can't simply say don't care what other people think we got to first acknowledge that we do care what other people think but at the same time what social media did is social media took that need and it exploded it on an exponential level Now, you're not simply looking for acceptance from other people. You can count the acceptance. You can count the likes. You can read the comments. You know exactly what everybody's thinking about you. And that social pressure is real. It's completely real. And it's completely influencing a lot of our decisions. So social media ends up creating situations where problems that aren't our problems, we take ownership over because we feel the pressure to talk about something or acknowledge something. Um... As well as we want to be rewarded and validated by other people, so we create this we create this life uh, for display purposes only and again, creating a life for display purposes only existed for social media. We were posing for pictures before all of this happened as well. I think the best thing to do after you acknowledge it is kind of understand that the rewards aren't real, you know if anything, it's just a momentary you know, dopamine kick or, you know, for a lot of my public figure friends, it's maintaining a level of relevance or maintaining uh, a level of attention, but it's not sustainable. You can't keep doing it. And especially when you're doing it at the expense of your authentic happiness, that becomes a whole other issue. So when I said I'd rather be happy than look happy, it's because all the work we put into looking happy doesn't actually make us happy. Now there's ways to be happy and force yourself and fake it, like forcing a smile, you know, studies show that even forcing a smile will make you feel better, Um, you know, just that body-mind connection, you know, and it goes both ways, so I think what we have to realize is the validation of other people, it's, it's addictive, like fast food, it's something that we've always wanted, but to address that pressure, we have to realize that it's not nutritious, it's like eating a bunch of junk food, and obviously it's validating, it tastes great, we want more and more and more of it, but we'll never feel satiated by doing it. Now if we make decisions that allow us to actually feel happy, that make us fulfilled, that give us more peace than pleasure, now all of a sudden, you know, we're gonna have a lot more fulfillment, we're gonna have less of a need to chase validation from other people, because you also have to realize, like, Our self-esteem is what other people think about us. Our self-respect is what we think about us. And the more self-respect we have, the less self-esteem we're going to chase. And I think that's a really important thing. It's really about recognizing that we all want to be happy. It's okay that we care what other people think. But at the same time, we can find that validation and that value and that fulfillment within. And when we find it within, we'll spend less time chasing it without. And we'll waste less energy, spend less time... uh, you know, and not put ourselves in situations where we're repeatedly trying to prop up a life that isn't even ours. You know, it's not accurate to us, nor is the stuff that we actually care about and value. And uh, understanding that, you know, most of the people that are looking at our social media are just, are just looking for a distraction as well. And, uh, you know, whether they like your picture or they don't like your picture isn't an indication of who you are and what your personal value is.
1: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that amazing episode, and I want to thank all of the special guests that took the time to answer these questions, and thank you to everybody out there who submitted questions. It means the world to us. It is always amazing when people show vulnerability and put themselves out there to find out the things that they want to know. Thank you guys for watching, and until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.